Welcome to Dissecting the 80s. I am Trip Lano, one half of the Mega Podcasting Powers. And with me to start season four of the show, as always, is my tag team partner, a man who has what I am now concerned is too much affinity for cotton candy, the Macho Mandrew. Andrew Lano, season four. Yeah, this is uh, pretty buck wild. It's weird to say. It is, it is. This is our 79th episode we're in the midst of recording right now, not including bonus ones. Yeah. So that's uh, pretty wild, I would say. It comes out, or came out? No, it came out on Friday. So we're both pretty jazzed about that movie. They just screened it uh, this past weekend for uh, like Twitter celebrity people, and they weren't allowed to release any official reviews, but they were allowed to tweet out things about the movie, and literally everyone who was there was like, yeah, OMG, this is this is great. This is amazing. Yeah, I'm super excited about it. Uh, I'm on vacation, and I'm not going to be able to see it until probably Monday when this episode drops, so I'm not mm-hmm. worried about spoilers because I just read the book for the first time, but I'm really excited about the the movie. Uh, because we couldn't do the original movie because it came out in 1990, the TV movie, we decided to get a little creative with our clown connection, and we're doing a cult movie that I think most people love if you're into this sort of stuff that we tread in here on this show. Or at least have heard of. Yeah, and so we're doing Killer Clowns from Outer Space. So you know what that means. We gotta go back. We gotta go dissect the 80s. It's your cotton candy. Something's gotta be done about your cotton candy. When the mega powers explode! I'm talking about the 80s. Oh, yeah. Great Scott! Hey, Scott! Hey, Cream of the crop! Oh, 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 yeah! Mega powers, yeah! When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. So I was vaguely familiar with this, but had never seen it before we watched it. Had you seen it before? I'd seen clips. Okay. Like a bunch, like little like death scenes or silly stuff. Um, I don't think it was in that scary movie countdown on Bravo. No, I don't think so. Some other thing where people talk about silly stuff, but I kind of went into it expecting worse and I was very pleasantly surprised yeah, the, thi- the the thing about it is it has a charm to it because when you look at almost every single prop in this movie, you can see what it's made of. For example, a lot of the buttons are clearly like rubber balls cut in half or mm-hmm. there's other things that are very clearly spray painted foam or plastic plates like disposable pl- plates and bowls. But there's a charm to that. And I, for example, I'm a big fan of the original Star Trek series where most of the time the props were whatever the hell they could, they could figure out, you know, from on set for cheap. You know, I, one famous story from the original show is that they got all new typewriters at the CBS headquarters and the typewriters were shipped in these large styrofoam blocks, blocks, like one for the left, one for the right. You pulled them off and they threw them away. And some set designer from Star Trek just like fished them all out of the garbage and they became massive set pieces for them that they spray painted different colors and put different pieces on. So it was a spaceship part and then it was like part of an alien monster or part of a a background. So I I have a lot of appreciation for that kind of movie making where you're like, well, we got to make this look cool. Uh, What's the cheapest way we can do it? And grabbing some extra plates you had laying around is pretty dope. Yeah. And even like... I would say, for the most part, a lot of the stuff in this movie looks really good. Like, the especially like it's 1988, so I, you know, look 
applying that filter of like yeah yeah think about it but the effects are pretty good the all the creature designs are great uh, the fact that they're really awesome and well created but and also articulated for the most part is really impressive to me yeah the two people who the brothers the kyoto i think it's kyoto i apologize if it's chiyoto uh but the two brothers who created this were special effects and puppetry guys and so you can tell you, you know mm-hmm. the, the best part of this movie are the effects and puppetry stuff uh, beyond that, the script is pretty paint by numbers. There are many movies about alien creatures crash landing, especially in the eighties. It was very popular to have, you know, your night of the creeps, uh, um, the blob, the blob, well, that's the fifties, but, uh, mm. the remake, I guess is probably the same circumstances. Uh, the creep show has a plot. One of the sh- one of the shorts in the creep show is like this is a fairly standard plot. Aliens crash land. All hell breaks loose. Yeah. And I, 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 I think, I don't know. I like, I, for some reason, I was, I think because I went in with such low expectations, I was kind of minorly blown away by like how watchable and good and enjoyable this was. Yeah, I have to say, I didn't check the my watch during this movie until it was almost over. And that's a pretty good sign for a movie yeah. that we do for this show. It's super well paced. Yeah. I, I'm, I am a fan. It's also available for streaming on Amazon Prime. So if you have that and you want to check it out, I uh, highly recommend you doing that. We'll, we'll just say that right now. Um, yeah. So let's get into it. Uh, that's uh, we don't normally spend five minutes talking about how much we like the movie before we go into it. But I wanted to. I just with we don't with get many opportunities to do that, so we'll take no, them when we get them. Yeah, and the other thing too is I always want to tread lightly with things that are important to people, and I know that like many people consider this a favorite, a uh, cult movie kind of favorite, and so I always want to like put a disclaimer on there that's like, hey, this is coming generally for generally we make fun of a movie from a place of love, not always. But generally, so I just like in this instance, I want to make sure we're going, you at Bakley Jr. <laughs> uh, I just want to be like, hey, you know, no big deal. Uh, quick Ed Bakley Jr. side note, like less than a minute here. <laughs> Already. Already. Um, he is a major character in the third season of Veronica Mars, uh-huh. which I ju- just watched for the first time. My, my girlfriend's really into the show and she was like, you should, I wanted to check it out. So I, I plowed through it and I got very excited when he showed up and she was like, who? And I was like, Ed Bagley Jr., you know, Ed Bagley Jr. And I, like, pulled up his IMDb and all of his, like, 350 credits or whatever. And she's like, I, I don't know who this person is. Why are you so excited? And then I had to spend, like, an awkward amount of time trying to explain why we care. I cared so much. And That's where it was she, difficult. she hasn't listened to the podcast. Oh, I mean, I, I knew that. Yeah, he's one of those people that you know, a lot of people don't know his name. But then they see his face and go, oh, I've seen him in one thing. Exactly. So that's my quick Ed Bigley Jr. update. Uh, let's get into this. So we've got Dean Warmer from Animal House playing the old cop. We're going to skip the theme song? Oh, go ahead. I'd say, I, it, we don't get – they don't happen anymore, I feel like, in movies. <laughs> I think I want to say the 80s was the end point of, like, let's write a theme song about our creature yeah. and our movie. Yeah, I think that's probably your your peak. It might have creeped a little bit into the '90s. I'm sure someone will correct us on on Twitter about that. But I mean, technically, Sharknado does it. But yeah, I feel like Heavyweights had a theme song, and that was like 1994. That feels about right. I yeah, like Heavyweights did. Yeah, uh, but it's super. It's like it's exactly what you'd expect from a sort of B movie. Uh, horror movie it's great i can put a little bit in here i know we had a little bit in the last episode as well and i'll throw the whole song at the end of this episode for for that as well uh so after that we got dean warmer from animal house as a cop and i thought right off the bat we're getting the like i'm um, three days from retirement kind of kind of thing which i'm you know that's fine that's a decent cop trope but what he ends up being is which i thought was really interesting 
the old cop who hates the young cops who have like actual capability of being it and aren't just like some schmuck who decided to become this guy. Yeah, he did it's the other option for movie cop. Yeah. Um and I, that's not to besmirch police officers. I'm just saying like before you needed a degree to be a cop, generally, you know, anybody could do it and I liked them playing with this idea of the resentment of an old guard cop who didn't have a degree and went into policing as you know, right out of high school probably versus this young kid with a college education. So you get to play with two things of like old cop who's sick of these youngsters and also the fuck you college boy thing, which I, I love. I always appreciate that in an 80s villain. Oh, it's great. I, I, for some reason, we hated education in the 80s and we were super trusting about opening doors That's <laughs> yeah one of the many lessons we've we've put for the show if we were smart we would have been writing down these lessons like from the beginning of the podcast and by now we'd probably have a book we could yeah because uh, all the compendium 101 things we learned from watching 80s movies or copyright I feel like copyright it, copyright, I feel, copyright just 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 to be clear copyright. in case anyone's, like anyone's trying to, to steal be, that it has i feel like it has to be like the 1,980 things I've learned from watching movies from the 1980s. Yes, much better. Absolutely. And that way we don't have to do, like, one per movie. You can do many. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, at the least, we have a BuzzFeed listicle. Yeah, with a bunch of GIFs. Yeah. Okay, so uh, I, we get the smash cut to its make-out point, and everybody's up there fooling around in their cars, which they do a lot of different ways that people have set up their cars for make-out parties, which I really enjoy. It's cool. But the one is like an inflatable raft and they're drinking champagne. That's our lead character. But another one has like a bunch of blankets thrown back there as a nest. And there's all these little things people have done to their cars to make it suitable for their partner to make out with them. Uh, And then we get uh, the ice cream truck. Right. Coming up the hill. Um, So I thought we were diving right into the clowns. I was like, yeah, that would have been really wacky. This is crazy. Like I... This is wonderful. Because yeah. a lot of times the movies we watch, it, we're like, oh, this is the setup. It's it's a stupid concept. I'm here for it. And then they yeah. take like 40 minutes for us to get to the thing. And I was like, don't make me wait that long. Yeah. Um, I think but, I think we have – I think we should just call that the Jaws problem in that all of these movies are trying to rip off Jaws. And in Jaws, there's that one scare and then you are waiting for that shark to come back. And it takes a mm-hmm. while. But the difference is that's a good movie, and if your movie's not good, that that wait time is interminable. It is a well-crafted movie, and it's a a great monster. There's a lot going for Jaws. (laughs) Three dynamo acting performances from the male leads. I mean, all sorts of great stuff. But it is not the clowns. It is these two schmuck characters that are, for me, the worst part of the movie. Like, the only borderline intolerable part of the movie for me. Agreed. Um... They sort of remind me of, not Cat Stevens, the, the the comedian from the boat movie we watched. The boat John movie? Cusack. Oh, Bobcat Goldthwait. Thank you. I knew it was a cat. It reminds me of <laughs> Cat Stevens. Sorry. I knew it wasn't. No, 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 no. I just was, the idea <laughs> of Cat. No, I'm just thinking of the idea of Cat Stevens in uh, One Crazy Summer as the best friend character. Like, just peacefully singing his songs. Much more in the tolerable. Yeah. It's the opposite end of the voice spectrum. From <laughs> yes, um, but the these guys reminded me a lot of the of those two characters from One Crazy Summer. Total fumbling idiots, and they're just there to to make mistakes that move the plot forward. It seems they also look 
much older than the other cast members playing kids. Yeah. And the I age thing gets weird in this movie. Yeah, because at one point it seems like they're college kids. Like that seems to be the base level we're working at here. And then the girl is best friend or formerly dated this cop that helps them out and the cop is definitely out of school. So I just I like mm-hmm. the age brackets are weird. But even if we're going to say okay, they they've all graduated college so they're like 23, 24. The dudes and they're, they're, excuse me, their characters are 23, 24. These actors are obviously like 30 plus. Boy, the yes. two brother characters in the ice cream truck are like five to seven years older than the other leads in appearance. Now, maybe they aren't, but they just look older. So it's this weird, like, who are these people? Are they sort of like a doc to this main character's Marty that he just like befriended these towny brothers who are hooligans? <laughs> and I don't I don't quite get their, their relationship throughout most of the movie. Yeah, it's, it's uh, a lot of tell don't show like the main our our main guy mike constantly says how these two guys are his best friends and they're they're they always do crazy stuff and they're really clever and i was like waiting for more of an explanation of why he's friends with them or like what they do and there isn't one or at some point for them to do something clever yeah (laughs) which which they do do not yeah no not once so um, we're, at, we're at we're at makeout point, and we see this comic go streaking by, and then we cut to this old man who watches it and is like talking to his dog, and and this is like well, I mentioned Creepshow earlier. This is exactly the setup for Creepshow, the Stephen King the character. Blob. Yeah, no, to, to is it a, <laughs> is it a is it a farmer in the blob? Like I just watched it, and I can't remember. I I know I literally cra- just watched it. A month I know it's ago a crazy old remember. man. Yeah. in the woods. Okay. But the so he's talking to his dog like, gee, Willikers, that's Haley's Comet. I got to go catch it and we can sell samples of it or something. And he's got like a bucket and, and he's talking to his dog with it. He's got a shovel. And then it's they get excellent out there. kooky old man acting. <laughs> he is very good. He is unfortunately not in the movie very long because as he's walking, he finds this random circus tent in the woods. And instead of being like, hmm, this is strange. He's like. Boy, I wonder why the circus is all the way out here. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I guess it's the conceit of a lot of horror movies is that people don't apply <laughs> real world logic. But still, like, guys, come on. Yeah, if you are walking through the woods and you stumble upon a random circus tent, like, one, I'm going to poop my pants. And two, I'm sprinting away from that. Like, just a immediately sprinting. circus tent. Yeah, that's that's no. there's no good that comes from that tent. No, you get the hell out of Dodge. But they do a really cool effect where he's inspecting the tent looking for a way in. And in the inside is a clown whose backlit is a big shadow that's like following him along. And it's really, really shadow. creepy. Yeah, yeah. It's really yeah, cool. It's like the Peter Pan thing where the shadow becomes its own creature. Yeah. It's it's a very cool effect and, and done practically. It's, it's very, very cool. Uh, and they bring that back later in the movie too where the aliens are able to manip- manipulate shadows, which I think is a cool thing i've never seen that in a movie i don't think before where they use cool powers yeah so it's 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 pretty awesome so they the alien pops a hole in the tent and uses it to scoop up the dog in a net and then when the the guy goes looking for his dog they zap him with his gun Mm -hmm. uh and we just see him kind of like glow pink and then cut away from him so we don't know what happens yet yeah yeah they keep that a secret so we smash cut to cops who are it's Dean Warmer who's bringing in these two college kids who look high as hell. Oh, yeah. So the one of them is clearly a goth, and his hair is sort of styled like the clowns. Like, it's pointy on top and, like, pulled out on the sides. Yeah. 
and he's wearing like he's got a, a pale face and like lips on like a makeup on so i was like oh are they gonna think he's one of their own later in the movie and that's gonna be a thing oh that'd be super cool because later the clown gets thrown in the jail cell with them and i was like this is what's gonna happen it didn't but again andrew rewrites the movie i wonder if that was uh, supposed to be a part of it and it ended up getting cut Oh, that's possible, yeah. Because do we see what happens to those two in the jail cell after the... I don't remember that we do. I, I mean, we see them cotton candied. Oh, okay. Spoiler alert. He's harassing these college kids, and the younger cop, Dave? Yes, Dave. Is like, well, well, what's what are the charges here? What are the charges? And Dean Wormer is like, shut up, Academy boy. I'm bringing these two kids in. Arrest, resisting arrest, drinking in public, public intoxication. And he's rattling off all these things. And he's like, okay, but like, what happened? And he's like, shut up, college boy. Get out of here. I, I, I'm The real police are doing work. <laughs> yeah. Th- I kind of wanted to know, like, are they the same level of police officer? Is the young guy, like, his superior and that pisses him off? Like, there's there needed to be a little more story there. So this is how I headcanoned it. Okay. The the chief is out of town. We know that. And I think the chief put Young Buck in charge over Dean Warmer because he knows that Dean Warmer is a shitty cop. Like, he he is shown to be a shitty cop. So he could just be like, okay, the young kid's in charge while I'm away. And later, it's sort of implied that everyone knows he's a shitty cop. Yeah, yeah. The town is afraid of this guy. Uh-huh. Like, afraid of um, what he will do. They're, they're not afraid of him definitely... like, like he's the monster. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not the monster. Um, and it sort of est- just establishes that he hates young people and that he wants to be in charge and, you know, be the you know stereotypical movie cop. Right, right. Uh, so we go back to the couple at Makeout Point. And so we catch back up with Debbie and Mike, who are the couple from Makeout Point earlier, and they are sneaking to the tent and they get inside the alien tent. And this set is so cool. It's amazing. I I cannot believe that Halloween Horror Nights has not used this franchise in some way. Well, I shouldn't say franchise. It's one movie. This yeah. property in some way. Yeah, I think it's probably a little too obscure of that. And the other thing is that the lead character from horror nights in universal is jack who's a clown and i think it would probably cause a little confusion i mean they don't always use jack oh i thought he was like a mainstay no the 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 icon changes year Uh, year usually uh jack's been brought back a lot because he's really popular but he's not every year i see well in any case they could definitely steal some of these big top ideas because it is a circus tent as a spaceship which seems like it'd be really stupid but instead it ends up looking very cool they have uh like I said before, big the big buttons are you're comically oversized. And then when they go into the storage room that they find where these cotton candy bags are being hung. So Mike is like, oh, maybe this is where they make cotton candy. And she's like, Debbie responds like, no, you idiot. Like, clearly this is not how cotton candy is produced on Earth. What are you talking about? Yeah, Mike is way too accepting of this crazy nonsense he's seeing. Like, definitely ready to explain away why. Like, stop trying to mansplain. Yeah, exactly. Um, and there's also, as they, like, check the tent out, they go into this awesome matte painting room where they see this big source of energy that you think is going to be vitally important later in the movie, and it is not, nah. which is nah. a weird choice. But the other room has all these cotton candy bags, and then he pulls, he paws at one, and he basically rips a person's like face off we see the farmer all covered in blood and it's very house of wax and creepy exactly oh yeah that's a great reference house of wax uh and so 
she realizes that they're inside the shooting star. And, and the other note I have here about this set is it's amazing how effective a little bit of fog can be because they have just enough. It's just the ankles of this of this area of the ship, but it it adds a real creepy alien vibe, like the movie Alien, because mm-hmm. the, you, you, there's like steam basically all over the place in that movie. And it hides a lot of what would probably be the cheapest looking part of this set would be the floor. Which is just exactly. super smart. Of, of I love when we watch these kind of movies and you can see filmmakers trying to do the best with what they have. And that's clearly what this is. Of Hey, we can do so much and the rest of it we're going to figure out how to hide it. And they hide it with fog and it's very cool. The fog also hides the bottom of the clowns, like their feet and their what their le- bottom of their legs would look like, yes. which also helps them so they don't have to have stupid clown shoes the whole time. Yeah, because later when we see the clowns and the clown shoes, uh, particularly in the scene that the rest of this scene where the clown comes in and kind of chases these two, the poor actor looks at his feet with like every single step that he takes because he's clearly afraid of falling over. Oh, yeah. As someone who has worn costumes like that before, you have to be aware of where you are walking or you will die. Yeah, and so this poor actor is looking down at their feet the whole time like, uh, 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 am I going to fall? Am I going to fall? And then he makes it. Uh, Also, Mike totally looks like Bizarro World Chris Pine from Star Trek. Oh, my God. That was it. (laughs) I could not place it, but yes. He looks like basically Chris Pine's dad. And this is where we see the most expensive prop in the movie, apparently. Really? What was it? The popcorn gun. Interesting. Uh, do you want to take a guess how much that cost? I mean, I'm guessing. I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you four options, and the audience can I, play I'm, along at home. Uh, okay. So, uh, A is seven hundred dollars. Okay. B is two thousand dollars. C is seven thousand dollars, and D is 10,500. All right, I was going to guess over 5,000 when you said it's the most expensive prop in the movie. Uh, I'll pick I'll pick C. 7,000? Yeah. Correct. Okay. Uh that's r- shocking to me given the fact that they have a parade float later. <laughs> well, it's because it actually shot popcorn like that it was a real thing it could do. Oh, interesting. I I feel like so you it's could it's a real just... air it's a real air, air cannon. It took six weeks for them to build, apparently. It's interesting because I feel like you could use a hairdryer to sh- throw popcorn. I mean, it does launch it pretty far. Like, I mean, yeah, obviously, I the, the magic true. of the movie goes farther. But in the scene where it initially shoots, it goes pretty far. Huh. I just It strikes me as one of those things that they could rig up with a compressed air gun and like just you know, launch it the way they used to shoot blood these days. I know. I would Maybe that's like, like a contemporarily it's a lot easier to make that kind of stuff work yeah yeah i don't, I don't know. know so anyway this guy has a popcorn gun and he shoots it at these kids and it kind of gets all over them they're they're running at, from the spaceship at this point trying to get it to their car and get away and the uh one of the alien clowns folds a balloon into a dog which immediately becomes sentient and starts like bloodhounding after the couple which i really love it's just so smartly stupid i yeah. love it Smartly stupid is a great way to put it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're they're running from these clowns and the dog, and then they get to the car, and he backs into the 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 dog with the with the car, and he hits the the aliens. And then as they're driving away, another alien like hops on the hood, and he like throws the alien off the hood with some good driving, and then they speed off. And we see the aliens walk to town, but the best part about it is they have these enormous hip and butt pieces in, so the aliens <laughs> all walk like they have badonka dogs. Like, it's like a real J-Lo thing. Like, they're doing a They sachet. walk like Jessica Rabbit. 
Yeah, like they really are sashaying down the street of like left and right and left and right. Check out my bodacious butt. Now I want to cut the that scene in the movie of them walking with Jessica Rabbit music. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just they yeah they have real badonka dogs they're they're bodacious aliens from outer space <laughs> bodacious clowns from outer space i should say so they get to the police and they talk to dave the cop and are like these people are wrapped in cocoons and they're made out of cotton candy and we know this sounds crazy but i promise it's happening and for once not for once but in a rare turn for a horror movie dave is like okay I'll listen to you guys. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. Except turns mm-hmm. out the only reason he's listening is because it's his ex-girlfriend. So they like, yep. <laughs> they were like, as writers, the two of them were like, okay, no sane cop would believe this. Oh, we'll give them this connection. So he has a reason to believe her, which I thought was actually pretty clever. It worked. Yeah. I didn't think about it that way. Then we but get wait, the- wait, wait, sorry. Wait, wait, wait. I apologize. I'll hand it to you right back. My favorite part of this is that, they're having this dialogue and I don't know who says it first, but I think it Mike says it first. He's like, they're wrapped up in cocoons. And then she repeats the word louder where it's like, they're all wrapped up in cocoons, cocoons. And it's just <laughs> such a mad scientist nonsense thing. <laughs> that's just like Mwah! kissing fingers. Like, absolutely. I love this nonsense. But you well, missed after that. She then goes, you know, cocoons. <laughs> yeah. And I was, it's, Yeah, I think we all know what cocoons are at this point, sweetheart. We all took third grade science and saw caterpillars turn into butterflies. (laughs) We were here for it. It's fine. Uh, Then we get the title of the movie spoken in the movie, which I didn't (laughs) think was going to happen. Not with a title like Killer Clouds from Outer Space, no. uh, It is spoken rather dismissively by the jerk cop. Mike says, they're killer clowns. And the cop goes, killer clowns? from outer space i was like he said it he's in the title (laughs) yeah he has a full-on belly full of disdain for these characters and their their problems although to be fair they are talking nonsense you would think i mean yeah absolutely and especially given that his best friend are apparently the town pranksters i get it but i just really enjoy his just total dismissive attitude of like yeah whatever you idiots and that uh debbie's reaction is to be like um we're talking to dave thank you very much (laughs) yeah fat old miserable cop moody you can shove it uh cut to the clowns have gotten to town and their drugstore has this bear outside that has like very animatronic slow arm movements you know up and down robot it's like a bear in a grandma night nightgown yeah and For so the, some reason. the clown parks on the opposite side of it and starts immediately doing the robot, but like very convincing robot movements from this, this actor. Oh yeah. And these girls walk by and kind of look at it and go inside, but they don't react strongly enough to the fact that this is a very creepy looking clown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause like, it, I think it would be better if the other animatronic was creepier, then it would make more sense that they were like, Oh, it's just two creepy things especially if they're like close to Halloween say yeah that would make how is it like not been remade and like set at Halloween so no one suspects anything they've tried to get a sequel off the ground for a long time I don't know what the the current status of that seems to have been updated like two years ago they're going from it's gonna be a 3d movie to it's gonna be a tv show to probably nothing I'm guessing yeah 
I just I'm surprised. They love remaking everything in Hollywood, and this seems like a perfect candidate. Yeah, I would agree. I think remaking not so great movies into great ones is a possible thing versus the remakes all seem to be beloved franchises and then they screw them up. That's true. So he goes into the drugstore and starts wreaking havoc, uh, turning over stuff and knocking things over with his bodacious badonkadonk. But he doesn't seem malicious about it. Like, he's, no. it's not like, Meh, let me knock that. He's just like looking for stuff. Yeah, he just seems to be intrigued by our earthly drugstore products. Meanwhile, back at the station, Dean Wormer has identified Mike as friends of these two chucklehead brothers. And his way of expressing this is, I know you, you little fart. Yeah. (laughs) He calls her a tramp. He calls him a fart. It's just, calm down. It's it's also weird that I'm pretty sure this is an R-rated movie, and he doesn't call him a little shit. There's actually, I don't think there's a whole lot of cursing in this movie. No, there isn't. Maybe it's not rated R, but it, I thought it was bloody enough to be rated R. Yet, see, I, though, that is a weird thing for me, is that, like, the, the big first couple bits of this movie aren't particularly bloody or, like, violent. No. They're just, like, pop out and shoot a ray gun. And then, about, like, halfway through, all of a sudden, everything gets way more violent. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like they filmed it in reverse order and ran out of money yes uh pg-13 okay so maybe that's why he doesn't call him a little shit because it feels like that line should be punctuated like you little shit yes just dean wormer scenes anyway he says that you're uh not gonna make a dummy out of him and then we cut to this guy's walking through the park and one of the gazebos has a puppet show set up in it and in the puppet show in the gazebo puppet show are these two arms like having a real punch and judy fight you know a classic mm-hmm. dumb puppet show and this guy again looks very very high because he's so into this puppet show that's the like secret they don't tell you is that most of the people in this movie are just super high yeah this whole town has a low grade buzz on because <laughs> He he's watching this Punch and Judy show, and if you're not familiar with the Punch and Judy thing, it's very very unwoke. It's essentially like comedy spousal abuse, and they the, abuse the each hu- other. I don't I don't think it's all. Well, I said one spousal way. I abuse. That, yeah, I, but you said, I just was clarifying that because you said unwoke, oh. so I was just clarifying that okay. it was like a two way abuse. Well, I I think I think women being their husbands is also a shitty thing. It is. No, it is. It, <laughs> it is the is. less common of the two behaviors. Certainly, I am not trying to draw any parallels here. But all spousal abuse is bad. Yes. No. But we, we, he, oh, that's our statement. Official statement. Here <laughs> in the, he, the the boy puppet is like trying to make the moves on her, and she's she's pushing him away, and then happens again, happens again, and then finally she whips out the cotton candy gun and fries him with it, and then the guy who's watching is like. He doesn't say anything, but his face is like, holy shit, this is the best puppet show ever. (laughs) And then the giant alien cloud monster pops up and the dude basically pees his pants and gets turned into a bag of cotton candy. Mm -hmm. So do you think that clowns were on stilts? Because they seem real tall. I I have to imagine there's some heightening going on because they're when they're in the scenes with actors, they're coming in on seven feet. Mm -hmm, For sure. Uh, And then we get a 
Is this where we get the montage of people opening their doors for the clowns? There's a little bit more between where we cut back to the drugstore and the clerk is just watching them destroy his store. It's it's very weird. It's very clearly this drugstore actor was shot on a different day or a different time because it's just very tight close-ups of him throwing his hands up in fear and shock and then the aliens knocking shit over. So we get like a bunch of that. And then we learn that uh, Debbie's ex-boyfriend is is the cop, Dave. Uh, But then, yeah, we get the really cool montage. This is where I said the people in the 80s were super trusting with opening their doors because the first girl opens her door and it's a clown with like five boxes of pizza. And she's like, oh, pizza. And I was like, if you didn't order that, that's not the appropriate response. Yeah, I needed the scene where they knocked out the pizza guy and did this because five pizzas is not a single person pizza order. And we don't hear the sounds of a party behind her. No, it's like her in a nightgown with a glass of wine. So I was like, yeah. I don't think she ordered any pizzas. And we've talked before on this show how a person could order and eat a whole pizza by themselves. Maybe even two in the throes of a deep wine depression. Okay? But <laughs> no, nothing either of us have ever done. No one is eating five. Five no, pizzas too is much. too many pizzas. You would, too many you would die. You would die. And but so... Three, two other clowns pop out either side, then the pizza box opens, and a fourth clown appears and shoots her. And I was like, I think, I think when the two other clowns showed up, should have been your notice that something was wrong here, lady. I think when a clown shows up at my door with a pizza, and I didn't order from Jerry's Clown Pizza and Subs, <laughs> like I'm shutting the goddamn door and I'm running. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah, no, she's she's dumb. And then. The other one is that a, goes for all costumes, by the way. If anyone knocks on my door to deliver my food and is wearing a costume and it is not October 31st and I haven't been restaurant. warned that this is happening, shut the door and run away. OK, <laughs> shut the door and run away. <laughs> and I'm trying to think of like fun pun name for like themed pizza restaurants. Yeah. I mean, Well, the other thing, too, is. I the one quibble I have with the movie and and this is a very minor thing but the clowns are pretty scary looking and I feel they like are. most the people don't react appropriately to how scary the clowns look. I and I wish that the clowns had some sort of like switcheroo thing where they went from looking like happy clowns when they were trying to pass as not monsters and then would switcheroo and be crazy gross alien monsters. That is again, it's a minor quibble. I I really like the movie but that would go a that long too. way for me. Yeah. Because they, if they look at the – they open the door and it's this happy clown with a pizza, it's very different than – they look like monsters. I mean, they're very creepy clowns. Anyway. I would say that the easiest way to do that would have just been make their skin tone even because it's like a very mottled gray. And yeah. It looks yeah, creepy. It is, it but is. if it was like all white with like the regular bright colored clown face, their weird heads would be like, oh, that's just like a weird clown applique or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other the other one in the montage that I really like is the clown knocks on the door holding a big candy heart, which I guess they probably stole from the drugstore. And the probably. woman is like, oh, Harold, is this from you? And then we zoom in on the clown monster's face and we hear the sounds of people going to Bone Town. I don't I did not catch that part. Yeah, the clown like creepily smiles as you hear like smoochy noises and it's almost like the clown like they just like she was so happy to get an 8 p.m. candy delivery from her husband that she was just like take them pants off, Harold. It's time to go to Bone Town. Clown candy delivery. <laughs> yeah, and the the clown does like a creepy like <laughs> grin on his face. If that's a service people want, 
I will start <laughs> start supplying. If you want an 8 p.m. clown, a clown to deliver some candy to your house after 8 p.m., and, call me and, up. Well, I think you're missing the important caveat that they also want the clown to watch them go to go to Bone Town, which is where you're going to run into much more trouble. specific sect of people. <laughs> it is a very specific service that this woman has has been fulfilled by. So we cut back to Dave the cop with Mike and Debbie. And the cop is like, all right, Mike, you're coming with me. We're going to go inspect this. Debbie, you're a fragile little woman, so we're going to have to drop you off at home. I was so angry. (laughs) I was watching it. And, of course, I thought it was stupid, too. But I I literally wrote down here, boy, I can't wait to see what Andrew has to say about this. I was like, are you kidding me? Because it's a twofold. First, the cop says it. And then she's like, let me have a word with my boyfriend outside. And he's like, fine. And then she gets to the door and she's like, look, you guys are going to go. I'm going to follow you right behind. It's cool. Just leave without me. And he's like, oh, woman, fragile, fragile, delicate woman. Stay here. It's super shitty. It's so super shitty. And her response is like, you're right. Yeah, I hate it. I hate it a lot. (laughs) Especially when... Especially when she has been the most thoughtful, resourceful person in this trio to this point. She realized that they were on the space comet thing first. She sensed the danger in the cotton candy room before it was apparent. She was the one encouraging him to like come back out there and convincing the cop. All of the things point to this woman being vitally important to this investigation. Caveat, she is the one who demanded they go find the shooting star in the first place. So... I you mean, take, yeah. Did you take the bad? Yeah, well, there you have, you know, that killer clowns from Facts of life. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, we, we cut back to the drugstore, and this one is the most throwaway drugstore. A drug lot of store. the drugstore. I don't yeah, know why I, there was so much cutting back to the drugstore. I feel like they must have paid a good amount of money for the drugstore set that they wanted to get the most out of. Because at this point, we see that he has cocooned the two women, and now another alien has joined him and is looking at a powder puff and opens it, and it, like, shoots up in his face. Um no, I just don't get why we keep cutting back to it. Like, why wasn't the drugstore just one scene? Yeah, I agree. It's it's. It, 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 I think they were probably of the mind that it was too long to be one scene, and they just couldn't cut any of it. They were too in love with all of these bits that they had filmed. <laughs> or, this is a short movie. Maybe they had to pad that runtime. Oh, maybe. That's true. Because it's, it's about... Like 82 minutes. Yeah, I was going to say, it's it says 87, but there's a good long credit chunk. I think it says 87 online. It's like uh, Monster Squad, which, by the way, we forgot to say happy 30th anniversary to about, about a month ago. It was August 14th. Um, CR catalog over that. Wolfman does have nards. But in Monster Squad, they specifically slowed the credits down. I just learned this. The credits are about 50% slower than most movie credits, just so they could get the runtime up to be like a passable length for the whole movie. I didn't know that. I thought I remember thinking the credits had were slow. Yeah. They're very wow. slow. So I think Monster Squad is actually under 80 minutes. I don't I'm not hundred percent sure, but I, I believe it's it's I, I recently read that they slowed down the credits to make the movie longer, which I thought was interesting. Um, back to this. the cl- One of the clowns is on a bike and goes to this biker bar where – and I've never been to a, a true biker bar. I've seen them. I know they exist. But I have I've to imagine – Sister Act. 
Well, that's what I was going to say. Movie depictions and film television depictions of biker bars paint them out to be like the biggest group of maniacal assholes in the universe. And I'm sure there are maniacal assholes who ride motorcycles, but I don't feel like it's exclusively the population of maniacal assholes. Yeah, I don't know what happened that like we've just been stuck with leather motorcycle jacket wearing motorcycle riders are just the scum of the earth. Right. Like even silly movies like Pee Wee's Big Adventure, they're huge dicks to him. Yeah. Although doesn't he turn them around by doing tequila? Yeah, he does, but they are huge dicks in the beginning. And so the the alien rides up on his bike and the biker's like, Hey, nice bike, can I ride it? And the alien shakes his head no. And he's the biker goes, Oh, okay, can I touch it? And he lets him touch it. And the biker's response is to pick it up over his head and smash it and start stomping on it. It's like I I wanted this guy to get his ass kicked. Well, here's another instance where the movie didn't do what I thought it was going to do, where he's like, can I, he says, can I honk the horn? It's his second request. Oh, that's what he says. says yes. So I thought it was going to honk the horn and it was going to shoot a laser at the group of bikers and just like cotton candy them all. Oh, that would have been super dope. Or even if it just did it to himself, that would have been super yeah. dope. Yeah. Uh, but instead, the alien teleports away and then teleports back wearing boxing gloves and literally punches this mofo's head off into a trash can and that's what i went wait what <laughs> i had to rewind it because i i kind of was writing down a note and then i heard like a oh and i looked up and saw the head landing and i was like oh my god i missed something dope hold on and had to track backward it's insane um, it's a really cool looking effect too the head the head goes flying and lands and kind of like l- lolls around in this bar- garbage bin it's really l- delightful it's well done. It just like it feels a little out of place so far from what we've seen. Oh, absolutely! It is. It is fully a very weird change for for this movie. So the cop takes Mike up to this place, and he's put Mike under arrest, basically thinking that he was part of this, which I guess is part of the reason why he wanted to drop off Debbie so he could arrest her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. But he finds this pair of glasses all covered with this cotton candy, and he well, go ahead. He takes it. Uh, Mike takes the cop to the space where they saw the tent and the right. tent is gone, but there's a giant hole in the ground now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the cop's response isn't, oh, clearly something was here. He's like, well, you're clearly lying. Time to go. Cuff him. Okay, yeah, I did I did gloss over that. Sorry. So he cuffs him and they drive to make out point and there's still a bunch of cars there. So the cop gets out and he's like looking around, trying to find what's going on. And uh, one of the cars is just filled with pink cotton candy. Um... I wonder what they, what do you think they used for the cotton candy? I was thinking that it looked like the spider webs that you buy at a Halloween store, just pink. Mm-hmm. I don't know oh, how that would. I think they sell colored ones sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I have to imagine it's not that complicated to, to make that stuff a different color. But Mike is handcuffed in the back seat of the cop car with the door shut. So I thought we were getting the classic trope of the dude in the back seat has to, is going to watch the cop die and then oh yeah it. that would have been pretty ideal at that situation but no basically whoever's going to remake this movie because hollywood you're doing it i know you are <laughs> just listen to the podcast take some notes adjust some things yeah we the very minor adjustments and again we are available for a very very average fee yeah very reasonable come yeah. on scale we'll, we'll do it for scale that's fine <laughs> So he he unlocks him and and is like, okay, I believe your st- I believe your story. We got to go help save the town. Clearly, bad shit's going down. Mm-hmm. M- meanwhile, drugstore guy <laughs> again is in this movie inexplicably. Sure, bud. And is this the part where he calls the police? I think. 
Well, first we have the place the the burger joint scene. Oh yeah. So we cut to this clown themed burger restaurant where all the employees have to wear like polka dot aprons and paper party hats. Yeah, it's very silly looking. And there's one of the clowns is just hanging out outside on the play place and like tries to lure this little girl outside and she is very close to it. She like gets the door open before her mom is like, you aren't going outside till you finish your food. And I was like, why is no one upset that there's this creepy looking clown hanging out outside? This is the most upsetting scene in the movie where from a perspective of someone in this movie, you should be fully terrified that a creepy clown is seesawing on a children's toy and trying to lure a child outside. Exactly. Because here's the thing. People who live in this town seem to not leave this town is the vibe I get. Yeah, agreed. And there's no way this restaurant is new. So you know if that clown is a mascot or not. Absolutely you do. So come on, folks. Let's use your head. Yeah, precisely. Uh, so so and- we cut back to the drugstore guy for more nonsense, right? And then, again, like we're going to mention drugstore guy a bunch more, I think. But uh, from drugstore guy, we go to this pretty cool scene where a clown is on an invisible car and he starts banging into this guy driving down the road trying to cause an accident. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, this is the only time an actual a car was actually damaged. That surprises me. They said all the cars were rented. This is just like oh, I have facts man. about this movie, apparently. Yeah. Most of the vehicles used in the film were rented and therefore not allowed to be damaged. That's why a lot of times you don't actually see damage. They just like put a smoke machine under the car to yeah, like make yeah, it yeah. look smoky. And the effect got botched. So the car was supposed to like go flying and like land on the other side or something like that. But instead it like swerved and hit a tree. So they were like, well, I guess that's what we're using. Huh. Well, at least they got a cool shot out of it. It did look very yeah. cool in the movie. Uh, we also find out at this point that the popcorn is alive. Debbie goes to get in the shower and the few strands of popcorn, straight kernels of popcorn that were on her fall to the ground. And as she gets in the shower, they start like furting and furting and furting. And, and it's yeah, a little inch for me. Mm-hmm. Which is very, very cool looking. It's it's well it's well like the scene that bit of filmography is well smushed together. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, we cut to the police station where curmudgeon police officer his switchboard is just lighting up like a Christmas tree. Yeah, and all with people calling in and being like, "There's a giant clown attacking people outside and murdering them. You have to come now." And he just tells everyone they're pranking him and to shut up. So. I'm curious. I have no idea. Do you have any idea what like police protocol is on what on a prank call? I feel like there has to be some level of they're bound to investigate stuff, right? Like I hope that's what the situation is. I would think. I mean, movies obviously lead us to believe that the, a cop can decide something is a prank and not <laughs> and, tell anyone about in it. In the movies, cops pretty much unilaterally decide that something is a prank and don't go to help the people. Like no matter what the situation is. Yeah. So I'm I'm just I've I have no idea I don't know any policemen to ask but I I'm just curious if you know. Well, if you're a cop out there who listens to our show, we'd love to hear what happens if you get a call that you're you know almost verifiably sure is a prank. That would be you know a fun way to to get it on the show. Hit us up on Twitter. We'll we'll let we'll share with the people. Or leave us a voicemail and explain. Yeah, yeah, eight five six dissect. Um, there's another cool shot right after this. I think it's right after this where one of the aliens dumps a bunch of uh, handfuls of popcorn into a dumpster, like seeding little areas of, of demented torture throughout the town. Yeah. 
Uh, and later a guy comes to throw a bag of trash in it and he hears this rustling noise. And when he looks in, it grabs him and yanks him into the dumpster. And then there's like a real raptors in the trees, Jurassic Park eating things. <laughs> there's yes. like the sounds of eating, but we don't get to see it. Um, so we go to a bus stop and there's all these people waiting for the bus. It's very late at night. It's, it's very dark. And one of the killer clowns comes up nearby. And instead of people being terrified that a giant clown is now standing six feet from them, they're all pretty intrigued by it. And the clown starts doing this puppet show, which first this guy starts booing it, which is the exact response an adult should have to shadow puppetry. (laughs) Impromptu shadow. As impressive as his shadow puppets are. Yeah. Impromptu shadow. Well, the first puppet is just like a barking dog. It's not, it's not a very elaborate one. Uh, but he starts doing all these puppets and then eventually wins over this little crowd, which is which is really great, including my favorite where he makes George Washington crossing the Delaware in shadow <laughs> puppet so form. Cool. And it's they're rowing the boat and the flag is waving and the Washington characters sort it's of punching rocket his fist. like the water. Yeah, it's really delightful. Um, so at that point, I would have also cheered at it. Um but then he turns it into a T-Rex and then he eats the people with the T-Rex shadow and somehow is able to make them small enough to actually hold in his hands. And he drops them into his little popcorn bag. Yeah. And uh, we didn't mention, but uh, Mike and the cop have been watching the sh- the puppet show. They were like driving and Mike was like, wait, there's a clown now. See him. Yeah. And Mike tries to ram him and the clown leaps into basically space, I think. And the car just smashes into a wall. Um, and this is where the young cop tries to radio to the curmudgeon cop and is like, Hey, there are actual clown. Like they're not kidding. There are killer <laughs> clowns. And the cop's like, they got you too, bud. You're not going to get me to throw in my badge. Shut up. <laughs> and he like turns off the radio. Well, at that point he becomes convinced that this is an elaborate prank that the whole town is in on to try to get him off the police force. And like, here's the thing. If you think that's a possibility, let's examine your work ethic, and maybe this isn't the field of work for you. Yeah, maybe you should stop planning so many drugs on people and and all sorts (laughs) of other shit that you're clearly doing if you think the whole town is behind an effort to get you to resign. Yes. Mike goes to convince the brothers to help them by telling them that his girlfriend's friends are going to be there, and they both have big boobs because these guys are chuckleheads. (laughs) Um, but then we get some of my favorite parts where the you knew it was coming death of Dean Wormer, where there's a clown in the police station. It's apparently really easy to just walk into a police station. I mean, he but just like, kind of walks he, in the front door. But he's not sitting. It's not like he's sitting at a front desk. No, it feels that's like true. he's sitting in a back room and like all of a sudden the clown just waltzes in. Yeah. And he tries to arrest the clown and he puts handcuffs on him and the clown's hands pop off. And he's not horrified. No, he just thinks this is more shenanigans. So the clown goes back to the jail area, still holding its hands behind its back. And Dean Warmer is like, okay, put your hands up. I'm going to arrest you now. And when he does, his hands like sprout out of the sleeves. And again, no reaction from Dean Warmer, who's very chill about this whole thing. It's real weird. Um, so he puts him in the jail cell they're up, the two college kids from before and this clown are all in one jail cell. And there's clearly others that we can see. Yeah, I feel like that's pretty bad police work. But again, we know the whole town hates this guy. So yeah, par for the course, maybe. I was just so frustrated because I was like, it, is, is he not going to kill this guy? It takes a very long time for this clown to kill him. 
Yeah, it really does. It's very, very strange. So, so Dave goes running into the police station, and this is by far my favorite scene in the in the movie. It's very, very creepy. Mooney Dean Wormer is on the clown's knee as a puppet, and he's bleeding out of his mouth. So he has those like two lines down from the corner, like he's a ventriloquist dummy. dummy. Yeah, thank you. And he uses the the Dean as a ventriloquist puppet, and he speaks and says to him that he's going to kill him. And then he pulls his hand out and you hear this, the like squelch. Yeah. And he, he has a bloody glove and he like flicks it clean and knocks the policeman and knocks the dude over. It's awesome. It's very gross and very creepy. And I love the hell out of it. Uh, and this is where the cop Dave learns that there is a way to defeat the clowns. Cause as the clowns approaching, he keeps shooting him and then he shoots him in the, head as he gets closer but he shoots him right in the nose and it pops and bursts and then the clown disappears and turns basically into confetti mm-hmm. which is a, a cool setup for Chekhov's clown nose which is something I never thought I would say <laughs> we've had a lot of Chekhov on the show yeah yeah so he radios for backup and is basically saying anybody who can hear this send help the National Guard whatever you got it's that little kid writing the note to the army in Monster yeah. Squad of like send your best guys army and then mailing it <laughs> So we go to find out that the clowns have this huge parade float and it's marching down the street and sucking up people left and right. There's basically ground troops, cotton candy people. They're very efficient clowns. <laughs> yes, they very much are. Because I, I was like, oh, that's a, kind of an annoying plan. They have to they turn someone into cotton candy and then they lug them all the way back to the ship. But apparently what they've been doing is just cotton candying people in the street and leaving them there and then bring a street sweeper in to just suck them all up. Yeah, and there's a really cool part where a guy's hiding under a car and he waits till the float passes and he goes running to get away and the clown whips around and sees him and shoots him with a cotton candy gun and then he kind of tumbleweeds as a cotton candy directly into the fender of the ice cream truck where Mike and the brothers are and they do really like a... cool. There's a real Scooby-Doo like, let's get out of here! <laughs> you know, alien... Burnout there. tires. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back to Debbie, we, this is where we see what the popcorn does. Because we've heard it, we've heard rumblings, we know it does something attacky, but we've never seen exactly what it is. And she gets out of the shower, and then two, like, jack-in-the-box clown heads pop up out of her hamper. And she freaks out and backs up, and then her uh, medicine cabinet flies open, and we see two more of them. And this is the only one of the few spots in the movie where I, like, clocked a goof kind of a thing. Because you can, when they, like, look over her shoulder, you can see the hole in the wire in the wall. Oh, really? The things coming out of, yeah. And then she falls into the shower and one comes out of the toilet. So she has to like attack her way out of the room and she gets to her living room and she hears Mike at the door. And this is where we find out the clowns apparently can manipulate voices, can mimic voices. Which is weird because they never do it again and they haven't done it before. No. It seems like it'd be a very helpful thing for them to be in the street yelling for people to come down. Mm Mm-hmm. A little hyena stuff. Also, did you notice that as she runs to the front door because she thinks it's Mike, there's a drafting table? Yeah, what is it with drafting tables? <laughs> I don't know. They just seem to be laying around sets of horror movies. I want. I want to know what her. Maybe she's an architect. Hey, you know, could could be Intrepid any job. Lady architect, Debbie. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Debbie gets trapped in a different type of orb. It sort of looks like a balloon. It's it's sort of translucent and and a uh, big polka dot and yellow balloon. I do wish they explained why. I. Again, yes, absolutely. I, one of those weird things where it doesn't make much sense, and the yeah, I don't, I don't have any conclusion to draw or guess why it would be so. Mm-hmm. So 
they realize Debbie's been taken and they get into a chase where the ice cream truck is chasing after with Mike and the twin, the brothers, not the twins is chasing Dave in the cop car. And then the cop car rear ends the ice cream truck and is out of commission. And so they all pile into the ice cream truck and it's like, where do you think they're going to go? And off in the distance, we see this a carnival or carnival, an amusement park, amusement park at a sort of a pier looking place near the water with this giant tent is now in the middle of it. Um, so the clowns get there and we see a security guard and uh, they all we get a great clown car moment where like seven clowns pile out of it. Yeah, it's really lovely. And then they acid pie this man to death. It's really creepy looking because when the, the the ice cream truck shows up, they see just a, a bone arm in this pile of pie muck. Oh, that's something I forgot. Previously, when we were in the police station with the curmudgeon dude... When the clown walks in, it offers him a flower and squirts him in the face. And I was like, oh, is this acid? Is this going to be like acid Oh, yeah, face? that would have been great. They just use that later. Yeah, yeah. Apparently. So then the, the brothers, Mike and Dave, show up and run inside to try and find him. And uh, the brothers hit a button for some reason. Well, okay, they do. But also there's a weird scene before that where they decide that these are some kind of alien creature and that they look like clowns, but that's not what they are. And then they seem to come to the conclusion that this must be where we got clown iconography from. That Yeah, that's a real reach here, guys. Yeah, but but then you're right. One of the idiot brothers hits a button, which causes a plume of smoke to spray Mike with no ill effects. And then the two of them fall into a hole somehow and end up in a ball pit. Mm-hmm. Next to some See, lady I, clowns, which are just the killer clowns with female wigs on. And uh, balloons where boobs are. Yeah, they inflate them as the guys are sitting there watching. Sure. sure. But the dudes are into it. Well, do you think they have a lot of options? No, but they are very into it. <laughs> um, but I, I, when they were talking about, like, oh, maybe this is where we got clowns from. I wish there was some kind of a hint, like a history hint. Like, this isn't the first time, like... Oh, this isn't the first like a logbook where like they showed up before. Or yeah, something. yeah, that would have been cool. I also really like the scene where they're hiding in the candy room and a clown comes in with a crazy straw and sticks it in one of the cotton candies and starts drinking somebody's blood out of it. The craziest crazy straw I've ever seen. Yeah, it was really elaborate. It would take far too much effort to get any liquid <laughs> into your mouth. It basically is a straw that holds a bottle of wine. Yeah, it's very, very ridiculously long. <laughs> So that clown leaves and they find Debbie and the cop shoots the balloon to get her out of it, which is a very interesting strategy. You didn't have like no one had a knife or something sharp. Yeah, that feels like it would be in the t- a cop's utility kit, you know, to, to be yeah. able to, to, to cut the balloon open or at least do something to try to like put a small hole in it. So it drains of air without making a huge noise. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they. <laughs> there's also a great line they shoot they shoot the thing debbie gets freed and they're starting to leave and mike goes wait what about all these other people and dave's basically like there's no time we're leaving <laughs> and there are very clearly other alive people in balloons it would only take him shooting at them it's not like it would be an elaborate you know complicated then, game like, what they do have you to do with then, then they're all following you and you have to hope they're all fast runners well i mean you know at that point at least you've given them the opportunity to survive and escape that's true. Um, so they run through a, a maze. And that's this is where I was like, how Halloween Horror Nights not – like, yeah. this maze is really cool. Yeah, it really – it's a very cool maze. It's got, like, um, 
It's got a hallway that's just a series of arches that are slowly tipping back and forth, like shuffling and um, tipping. Is that the best way to say it? Yeah. They're, yeah, they're tilting back and forth. And so it's very disorienting. And then there's the it's it's just a really cool. I was like, what, what, what guys? How, no, come it's, on. it's very, very great. And then they find a fireman's pole and they slide down it. And Debbie goes first and she hops off at some determined point. And Dave follows her and goes, why did you stop here? And this Sarlacc monster comes up <laughs> from the bottom. It's very, very cool looking. I was, and then later when the clowns come down the fire pole, I was hoping one of them would keep would accidentally keep going or get eaten by mistake or something. Yeah, I was a little yeah. bummed of that too. They also have an angler fish that they run into, which was kind of out of nowhere, but I thought was also an interesting choice. Yeah, um, why not? And I, I really love the nesting doors that they have to run through that Dave keeps opening doors and there's like six or seven shrinking doors. He keeps opening and opening and opening before they can get there. It's so good. Well, and then my, I was, I kept get, wanting to yell at the screen cause they keep, they hit a dead end and they're like, I'm tired of running. This is ridiculous. And I was like, stop complaining and keep moving. What option do <laughs> yeah. you have? You do not have time to deal with this. Thank you. So this is where we get an instance of trying to keep a door shut that isn't doing anything to help keeping the door shut. So the door has a, a, a pull handle and opens into the room they fall into and then they shut that door and Debbie jams the cop's uh, now empty gun through the like handle pull and is like, we're safe now. And I was like, no, you're not. That that gun doesn't do anything. It's not. What? Yeah, the door opens the other way, you idiot. All that's doing. You're, you, it's just the door is opening now. What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah, it's very, very dumb. So they, they retreat and they get into this final room and then clowns start coming out of everywhere with golf clubs and baseball bats and baseball bats with nails in them and all sorts of clubs and weapons. It was nice to finally see like a lot of clowns because I think up till now we'd seen maybe five or six at most. Yeah, yeah. And this and, is at least 20. Yeah, and I think it's probably a situation like Walking Dead where there's you know, hero zombies and then less makeup zombies. And then the back, it's just people in ratty clothes kind of thing where mm-hmm. these clowns are probably, if you looked closely would probably not be up to snuff of the hero clowns we've seen so far hero in the movie term. <laughs> sorry. Like the a level ones, not they're obviously the bad guys, uh, but they, they basically start chasing them up this pole. And then there's this amazing scene where the ice cream truck comes flying through the side of it and puts a huge hole in the place. And apparently those idiots survived somehow. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're all covered in alien kiss marks. But the aliens are nowhere to be seen. No, no, they aren't. And the alien lips were enormous, but they're relatively human-sized on the faces of the brothers. Mm-hmm. But they grab their microphone, and there's a clown on top of the ice cream truck, and they start yelling to the assembled clowns, get off them, go away, you, you, let them go, they're fine, they're fine which they do and they all rush into the truck and then there's this huge noise and these this thing starts getting lowered out of the ceiling on strings and it looks like a cross between bowser from super mario brothers as a clown (laughs) and the big daddies from bioshock the giant mech suits it looks like bowser in a mech suit uh sort of like the cartoon we talked about last week honestly but it's a very bowser looking clown that comes down and it somehow also it looks like the clown that's on top of the ice cream truck. Yeah, it's very alligatory. 
mm-hmm. but it also kind of looks like the clown that's on top of the ice cream truck, which is weird. But he starts wrecking shop and destroys this truck. He throws it, you know, you know, hucks it away. Yeah, the three heroes get out of the truck, and the um, the two brothers stay inside for some reason. And so they're in the car, in the ice cream truck when it gets thrown aside and exploded or whatever. I believe they stay inside the truck because it's a rental. I think that's a line. Oh, probably. Yes, it is. You're right. So the cop is like, you two get out of here. I'll shoot it and distract it. So they run out and the cop is left alone trying to kill this giant clown. Yeah. Uh, so the, they, give, they get outside. They keep running. They find cops. The cop gets lifted in the air and then rips off his badge and stabs it into the clown's nose, which pops it. Um, and while all this is happening, the tent starts flying. And this is where I realized I wish we'd seen the tent get set up because it, it like deconstructs itself sort of like science magically. It pulls up its stakes. Oh, yeah. And get the, so they get sucked into the top. And like it's, it's a cool scene. And I was kind of like, oh, I wanted to see the like magic setup of it. And it flies into the air and explodes. And the cops are just – there's a bunch of cops have assembled at this point. The, the reinforcements arrived, and they're all staring at it in awe, including this lady cop with a perm that is just – Oh, it's beautiful. Everything. It looks like the hair – the woman does not look like him, but the hair looks like Weird Al circa bad <laughs> or fat, excuse me. Uh, it is delightful. Just utter delight. It's great. See, I thought she looked like – I've never seen it, but I've seen pictures. An older Barb from stranger things oh i'm not talking about her face i just purely the hair was just this well, delightful yeah, had, it, perm yeah it was great um and then a clown car falls from the sky and all the cops are aimed at it and then the two idiot brothers come out with the with, hero with cop dave. dave yeah thank yeah. god i was like can they have stayed inside and, <laughs> and dave survived <laughs> dave is really the only one worth saving among that trio yes and they're like, do you think we? Do you think it's all done forever? And then pies hit them in the face. Real credits, which is weird because the last time we saw these pies, it melted a human being, and they seem to be very nonchalant about the fact that they just got hit with mm-hmm. acid pies. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I wanted to say, I wanted to ask you if you could pick any other movie in either one we've watched or one we haven't to have an additional closing credits where it's a the protagonists get pied and then freeze frame and the movie ends because that's such a fun thing i've never even considered before it is give me one second because I, I know i've got a good one so i have two three okay. actually it's gonna be okay three. go ahead the first one is jaws and is i what? want them jaws okay <laughs> and i want them paddling away uh-huh, like, uh-huh. And it, from a distance. I don't want a close-up. I want them paddling away from a distance. They're talking, doing their little banter. Boom, pie in the face. Pie from the sky. <laughs> uh, second one is Jurassic Park. So it's Mr. Hammond, I've decided not to endorse your theme park. Boom, pies. No. Okay. It's in the helicopter. The quiet, <laughs> soft moment where she's like, look at him like, oh, he does want kids now. Pie in the face. <laughs> okay, okay. And the third one is Jurassic World. Okay. T-Rex climbs on top of the building, surveys his kingdom, does a great big roar, pie in the face. <laughs> the one that I immediately thought of, Loomis goes to the window at the end of Halloween, and he sees Michael is gone. 
and it starts the slow like the cutter like it's pulling back and pulling back and pulling back and jv lee curtis is standing next to him and then on top of his big bald head is just a fucking boysenberry with extra whipped cream and i want it like dripping down his ears and into his face as he and i don't want him to acknowledge it i want loomis to keep staring that thousand yard stare of it's over but it's not over forever as boysenberry jam just comes running down his face and rivulets and then i want all of the cuts through the house where it's just like the stairs and the living room and all that stuff i like it so much (laughs) but you're right i want pie in the face in so many more movies now yeah yeah it really is a delightful way to uh to end a movie uh what are your final thoughts for killer clowns it's great like surprisingly really good yeah, I, I'm in total agreement. I, I had a blast with this. I would recommend it to pretty much anybody. It's a really fun, silly time. As long as you go into it knowing that it's silly. I mean, it, it knows yeah. it's silly and, and fully embraces that's, the silliness. That's really what it is about it. it. It It's sort of the Sharknado syndrome where it knows exactly what it is and it's not trying to be more. I disagree, though. I think this has a lot more earnest effort than Sharknado does. And I think that's, for me, the difference. I, I, I'm not okay. wild about a Sharknado, personally. I don't, I don't really enjoy that we're trying to be bad. I think this is a real earnest effort at making something good and understanding your limitations and, and embracing them. Okay, that's, that's a valid Because I, I don't think they set out to make a cheesy movie. I think they set out to make like a solid second feature to drive in B-horror type movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I totally dug this. I highly recommend it to everybody. Like I said, it's on Amazon uh, Prime Streaming. If you have that, it's 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 free with that subscription. Uh, if not, I'm sure you could rent it for a couple of bucks somewhere. But yeah, it's it's totally worth your time. Sure. It's a really solid. Uh, also, uh, not to get too crazy down this particular rabbit hole, and I, this will probably not be a regular feature, but I just noticed that uh, in September – so uh, sorry, it is now September. We're recording this in August – but in September, Netflix has the first four Jaws movies, so uh, you could listen to our commentary track. Hmm? You said you said first four. All four, you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. All four Jaws <laughs> movies. Is, um, is there a fifth one I've never heard of? Well, Deep Blue Sea is also on there, which is kind of a, <laughs> kind of a Jaws movie. Um, it, 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 it's a sharky month for Netflix. But you could go check out our uh, commentary track for Jaws three or four i forget which one jaws four is the commentary track yes yeah so we did a commentary track so you could sync that up and Wait. watch it yep yeah i'm because pre- i'm pretty sure we did we do commentary on the caribbean yeah that, I, I, anyway i i think jaws three we did an episode on jaws four we did the commentary track but uh you could you could sync that whichever one it is it's available you could sync that up uh and also hulu has a ton of 80s stuff that we have done episodes on i noticed that this week um so if you have a Hulu subscription, there are many movies we have covered that are on Hulu. Like more than a handful, I would say. I, I can't pick them out specifically, but if you if you searched on there for 80s stuff, you'd find quite a few episodes. I'm pretty sure it was Jaws 4, the commentary track. Yes, yeah. 4, because okay. it was okay. for February. Yeah, okay. All right, that makes more sense. So I just wanted to point that out. If uh, you wanted to visit the back catalog, uh, if, you're, you know, if you haven't checked out either of those movies, I highly, highly, highly recommend Jaws 3. It's one of my favorite bad movies of all time. Um, but I just wanted to point that out because I, I noticed a bunch of cool stuff coming to the various streaming platforms that we have done episodes on. Uh, it's sort of an embarrassment of riches for our back catalog right now among Hulu, Amazon Prime, and Netflix. So if you have those subscriptions, you can find a lot of stuff that we've covered. Anything else? Thank you guys so very much for listening. Don't forget that you can get a hold of us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Uh, it's dissecting the 80s, except on Twitter where it's dissect the 80s, no ing. 
Leave us a message at one eight five six D I S S E C T, and most, most, most importantly, do us the huge favor as we celebrate our fourth year bringing you this merriment and nonsense. Please take the time to review the show on iTunes. It would make a whole lot of difference in our lives if we got featured in New and Noteworthy. And the only way to do that is to get a bunch of reviews in a short amount of time. So let's make a push to review the show. We do have one review I would like to read. This is from Love and Luck five one seven zero three. Love listening to two brothers discuss 80s movies and TV. Hosts are fun to listen to, and this is a fun, happy podcast. Thank you very much, Love and Luck 51703. If you want to hear your review read, all you have to do is leave one. It's that simple. And also, if you like it, tell two friends, particularly because next week we are doing a movie that is almost universally beloved, and I can't wait to dive into it on the show. We will be back on September 25th, the actual 30th anniversary of our next movie, which is The Princess Bride. Everybody want a podcast? That was a bad answer. Starring America's sweetheart, Mandy Patinkin. Uh, no, starring, America, starring America's sweetheart, Andre the Giant, is what you meant to say. <laughs> uh, I promise that there will be Andre the Giant fun facts next week, and I also promise to try to keep them to a minimum, but I can't. I can't do that that much, is what I'm saying. I will try. I like that neither of us are talking about Carrie Elwes. Uh, Carrie Elwes is great. Andre the Giant is like a folk hero to me. I, I, and Mandy Patinkin is a Broadway legend, so yeah, I'm yeah, but, on board. But Mandy Patinkin didn't get so drunk, he was left in a hotel. They fell asleep in a hotel lobby, and then seven people tried to pick him up and move him and couldn't, so they took the cover off the piano and wrapped it around him and just let him sleep in the lobby. That's a true story. That's a I real thing that happened to Andre the Giant. He's I, so big. I understand that. Uh, so anyway, I'm really excited to do that movie, and I haven't watched it in probably a decade, so I'm excited to, to watch it again for the show and to talk all sorts of nonsense about it and share as many Andre the Giant fun facts as possible. I'm going to try to pepper them in throughout the show. Maybe it could be a drinking game. Drink every time Trip does a tangent about Andre the Giant and his prowess as a drinker and or wrestler and or general human being. If this was a pop-up video. Oh, my God. The pop-up video would be just catastrophically pop-up. <laughs> you wouldn't be able to see for all the pop-ups. You're dissecting the 80s face <laughs> on an angle with a little text box. With a little. Yes. That would be really good. That would be really good. So, yeah. Anyway. Thank you all so very much for listening to the show. We really appreciate you doing that. And we will see you on September 25th for The Princess Bride. I have been Trip Lano. And I will always be Andrew Lano. Until September 25th. Don't you forget about me. Dissecting the 80s is a chum sum of this production. Ow.